today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Continue in the book of Romans tonight, Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 8. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. First of all, the Holy Spirit cannot do anything within our hearts and lives as it pertains to sanctification unless our faith is properly placed in the finished work of Christ and that exclusively. It's not Jesus Christ plus this, plus that, plus whatever. It has to be Christ and His finished work alone. Then and only then can the Holy Spirit have full sway within our hearts and lives, and He can start leading and guiding us, which means we're going to have to cooperate and follow behind the Spirit and do whatever uh, He is leading us to do, and we need to do that on a daily basis. Now, this does not mean that you will live a life of sinless perfection. Okay? Let me say that again. It does not mean, just because you're saved and your faith is where it ought to be and the Holy Spirit is, is working in your life, that does not mean that you're going to live a life of sinless perfection. The Bible doesn't teach that. So what does it mean? And before I go there, let me say this. As long as you are in this flesh, you're going to have a problem with this flesh. The flesh desires things. The Bible said the lust of the flesh. And that could be eating particular things. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be uh, sexual immorality. It could be desiring things that other people have. It could be any number uh, of things. As long as we're in this flesh, this, this, you're going to have a battle with the flesh. As long as we're in this world, we're going to have a battle with the things of the world. And there, there's a constant pull of the world out here, and uh, that, that's, that's a problem. And the devil takes full advantage of our weaknesses, and he's constantly throwing all of this at us and tempting us and whatever the case. 
Now, like I said, the Bible does not teach sinless perfection, but it does teach that sin shall not have dominion over us. Dana, if you will, go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Let's look over that once again, if you will. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Paul said, let not sin, that is the sin nature, let not the sin nature therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Before we got saved, the sin nature was ruling and reigning over us like a slave master. And we just did whatever the sin nature wanted us to do. But the moment we got saved, the moment we placed our faith in the finished work of Christ, the door opened up for the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and lives. And when he did, he rendered the sin nature ineffective, put it in a state of remission. I know you've all heard a doctor take a person and run tests on them and come back and the test be negative for cancer, and the doctor say, well, your, your cancer has gone into remission. The cancer is still there, but it's not active anymore. And the doctor may tell you, as long as you keep taking this drug or keep doing this particular routine or whatever the case, then uh, it shouldn't bother you anymore. Well, it's the same way with the sin nature that's in our hearts and lives. As long as we take the gospel every day, put our faith in the finished work of Christ, then the Holy Spirit can work in our lives and keep that sin nature under wraps. He said there in verse 13, Romans 6, Neither yield ye your members, that's the members of the physical body, as instruments. Now, the word instruments has reference to the weapons of a, of a Roman soldier. All right. He said, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto the sin nature. The body is neutral. It can be used for either good or bad. It's just whatever you yield to. If you yield to the sin nature, then... The sin nature can use the members of your physical body against you. As you've heard the saying, we become our own worst enemy. But if we will choose the Holy Spirit and choose to follow after the Spirit, as the Bible says there, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. If we'll yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and cooperate with the Spirit, in essence what is being said here, the Holy Spirit will use the members of our physical body as a weapon in this spiritual warfare that we're all going through. And he said there in verse 14, For sin, the sin nature, shall not have dominion over you. That is living a victorious, overcoming Christian life. The sin nature shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, under the old covenant, the old economy of God, the Jews looked at and considered their relationship to God to be that of a servant. 
God gave the law, he gave the commandment, and in their minds they claim to be keeping that law. And that was as far as their relationship went with God, that of a servant. And they got angry with Christ when he claimed that God was his father. And that's one of the reasons why they had him crucified. They said he was blaspheming God by calling him father. Well, since Jesus died on Calvary and ushered in the New Testament age of grace, that relationship with God has changed from that of a servant to being a child of God. And now we have the privilege of being able to call God our Father. Take a look at Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Romans 8 verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. The Old Testament way was nothing but bondage. Do this. Do that. Don't do the other. And it left the people in a constant state of fear that they would break God's law. And they would come up with these fence laws. I mean, they had crazy laws like a woman couldn't comb her hair on on the Sabbath because there might be a speck of dust in her hair and then she could be uh, accused of plowing. (laughs) You had some Pharisees that would put blinders over their eyes and they would walk around in public out on the street and they'd be stumbling and bumping into things. And the reason they put the blinders on, there might be a woman walking by and they didn't want to, to lust or, or covet. And so they were going to the extreme. There was this constant fear of breaking God's law. But we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Since the cross, we are now united with Christ through and by His finished work, and that has opened up the door for us to be adopted into the family of God. We now have the privilege of calling God Father, and I want you to think about that. We have the privilege to talk to someone who can do absolutely anything that's in control of everything, that has unlimited resources, and if he ain't got it, he can speak the Word and create it for you just like that. Good grace and mercy, I don't think we've got a grip on that. I mean, that's like having Donald Trump as your father. He's got everything in the world. You just ask him and he... And he give it to you. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going away, and whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Ain't that what he said? And I think the reason we have not is because we ask not, or we ask amiss. We ask for things sometimes we ain't got no business asking for. You know, God is our Father, and I'm going to be honest with you. Um... I love Julie to death, and I love Haven. But there was a time, if they'd have come up and asked me to drive the truck, I'm sorry. I want you to drive, and uh, there's going to come a day when you need to drive. But you're a little bit too young to be getting behind the wheel right now. You understand what I'm saying? 
So we ask for things sometime, and it's just not in God's time. In his divine wisdom, he sees that it'll do more harm than it will good. But uh, that don't mean that we should stop asking. We just ask the Lord and don't throw a temper tantrum or just get upset and, and, and give up the faith altogether because God didn't give us what we asked for. We just need to honor him and recognize him as God. He knows what's best for us, and he'll give us what we need. Amen. All right, take a look, if you will, Romans 8, verse 16. The Spirit itself. Now, the Spirit is a person. It's not an it. It's not a thing. And that should have been translated himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. You know, it's amazing to me the number of Christians today, they look at you funny when you make the statement, well, God told me to do this. I mean, you even got preachers today who don't believe that God speaks to people today. This verse right here plainly tells us, Romans 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That's God communicating with us. And he's, he's speaking and witnessing certain things to us all the time. That's relationship. That's why Jesus said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. If you've got a preacher that says, I don't believe God speaks to you today, that man ain't saved. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I mean, how can a person even get saved if God don't speak, uh, speak to them and deal with them? See, the Holy Spirit speaks to us more than we think. I think sometimes the flesh is so loud, the world is so loud, the pull of the world is so loud, we don't hear that still, small voice as clearly as we should. But the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us. He's the one who stirs us up to pray. When you're riding down the road and you see the rescue go by, or you see a bad wreck off to the side of the road, there's that nudging in your spirit. And Lord, I don't know who that is, but, you know, Lord, touch them and, and, and help them. And uh, you, you hear things all the time over the news, and you find yourself, as the news is going on, you're, you're, you're praying about things. And, and prayer is just communicating with God. That, that's all it is. Uh, you don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to be in church. You just talk to the Lord just like I'm talking to you right now. And you'll find yourself, as Paul said, praying always. And he talked about praying in the Spirit. And I pray a lot of times, and people, somebody be standing right beside me, they don't even know that I'm praying. But the Lord knows I'm praying. He knows my heart. He knows what I'm thinking uh, in my mind. The Bible says he knows our thoughts from afar off. See? So, at any rate, the Holy Spirit comforts us when, when that bill comes and you don't know how you're going to pay it. When that loved one gets sick and you don't know how you're going to handle it. When that loved one passes away, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us during those times. The Holy Spirit also speaks to us as it pertains to sin. When we do wrong, the Holy Spirit, you can just say something the wrong way, and the Holy Spirit says, uh, uh, you shouldn't have said it like that. 
And, and so the Holy Spirit is there, and He draws us to do good works. This past Sunday morning, I don't know who the, who the lady was, but I'm standing at the back door. This lady come by, and she said, Preacher, the Lord spoke to me while you were preaching this morning and told me to give this to the church, she said, for you to put in the offering plate. And it was a check for $125. So while the word was going forth this past Sunday, the Spirit of God moved upon her, and she recognized the Spirit of God, and she wrote out exactly what the Lord would, would have, at least I hope she did, she gave something, and the Lord told her what to give. Now, what that's all about, I don't know, but, but the Lord moves upon us. The Lord has moved upon some of you to support the radio. He's moved upon some of you to support the bus. He's moved upon you to give the missions and, and different things, uh, to have fundraisers and whatever the case. That's the Holy Spirit working within our hearts and lives. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That, and here's the greatest witness of all, of all, that we are the children of God. Look at that. I think one of the biggest helps to all of us would be to recognize that. Stop calling yourself a sinner. Well, Brother James, I sin. Yeah, we all, we all do, but you are a child of God. That's what this book says. We need to start claiming what this book says and not what other people say or what we might have been in the past. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God, and we need to start calling ourselves a child of God. And more than that, we need to start acting like a child of God. All right, Romans 8, verse 17. And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. All right. What does it mean to be an heir of God? If you will, go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Jesus gave this parable about a young man who came to his father and said, Father, give me my inheritance. Now, under Roman law, this happened quite often, and it was allowable for such to happen. And the father gave to him um, his inheritance, and he took off and went into a far country, and the Bible says he, he wasted his living on riotous living. And a famine came in the land, and he joined himself to a man there in that country and worked for the man feeding swine. And that's one of the worst jobs that a Jew could do, was feeding swine. And this young man was so hungry that he was eating the slops that the pigs eat. That's how bad it got. And if you will, look at Luke 15, verse 17. The Bible says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, 
and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, back then, they had servants who worked full-time around the house doing different jobs. And they, hi- they had hired servants, ones who stood at the gate. And by happen chance that day, there might be a little extra job around there. They need the extra hand. And they'd go to the gate and they'd hire somebody standing there at the gate and, and, and use them for a few hours. And this man here, this son said, he would make me as one of your hired servants. That was his idea. Verse uh, 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. In other words, the father was looking for the son. And had compassion and ran. This is the only instance in Scripture where we have God the Father running. And it's running toward that wayward son, that one that was lost. And fell on his neck and kissed him. That boy deserved judgment. He deserved to be punished. But instead, he was shown a love like he had never known before. And that same love awaits everyone who comes to God in this fashion. Look at verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. By faith, right now, you and I have a robe of righteousness. We are clothed in the righteousness of God. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. But the righteousness of God, we're fully clothed in the righteousness of God. Take the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. This was the signet ring. It had the, the family crest in that ring. And that ring was like a credit card is today. Go to the store and get whatever you want and pay sometime later. The father guaranteed the payment. We can have what we will. That's what Jesus said. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, you will receive it. He said, and put shoes on his feet. That denotes ownership. In Joshua 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. One day, you and I, are going to inherit the earth. And we're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ for a thousand years. And he said, And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be married. Uh, Servants didn't do that. Only the children had that privilege to sit down and eat with the Father. And that speaks of fellowship and relationship. We have fellowship today. Paul said, Romans 8, verse 14, we are joint heirs with Christ. 
which means Jesus is the one who has made all of this possible. And our faith in what he did grants to us the same privileges that Christ has with the Father. Let me say that again. Our union with Christ grants to us the same benefits, the same privileges, the same rights as Jesus has with the Father. We've been adopted into the family, and under Roman law, when one was adopted, they received all the same benefits, rights, and privileges as the one that was born into the family. We have received an inheritance. We are joint heirs with Christ, if so be we suffer with him. Now I want you to look at that little portion of it. Romans eight fourteen. If so be we suffer with him. Everybody in this world because of the fall is going to suffer in some way. There are people right now that are suffering from flood damage, storms, tornadoes, earthquakes, pain, hurt, sickness, disease. The list can go on and on with that. But the suffering that is referred to here is a special suffering. It says that we suffer with Him. There's a suffering that we experience when we identify with Christ. The Bible says that we have to confess Him. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And if you deny me before men, then I will deny you before the Father. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You've got to confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth. And you need to do it on a daily basis. People around you need to know where you stand. And I'll go ahead and tell you this right now, too. If our young people will confess with their mouths at school the Lord Jesus and let them know where they stand, I know for a fact it will deter a lot of temptation. A lot of temptation was avoided when I took the stand at high school and let them know where I stood on some things. They didn't come around me with, with alcohol and drugs. It deterred a lot of other things, too, because my relationships with it back in those days weren't, weren't too good with people. I was outcast, persecuted, but that's the suffering that we all have to go through with Christ. But Paul said, latter part of verse 17, that we shall be glorified together with him. That speaks of the coming resurrection, the rapture of the church. Uh, Dana, if you will, go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Going right along with what we're talking about here, the love of God 
having an inheritance, being a child of God. John said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Jesus said, If the world hated me, it's going to hate you also. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Paul said, we shall be glorified together with him. And in Romans 8, verse 18, Paul said this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The word reckon means to calculate. And in this instance here, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, has calculated the sufferings of this present time as well Knowing what the future is going to be, the Holy Spirit has calculated all of that up and put some side by side in his essence saying, in that coming glad day, there's no comparison. What we're going through right now is nothing compared to the glory that God has in store for us one day. And he said there, Romans 8 verse 18, that the glory shall be revealed in us, shall be revealed in us. Right now, we have a tiny portion, a down payment, if you will, of what's coming. But one day, that little percentage, that tiny portion, is going to explode into glory when the trump of God sounds. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52. You all know this by heart, I'm sure. Paul said, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Looking up at verse 52 there. Paul said the dead shall be raised incorruptible. If that person died with the power of the Holy Spirit in their heart when they're buried, that little bit, that tiny portion of spirit is going to explode into glory. When the trump of God sounds and that body is going to be raised incorruptible, the Bible says we shall be changed. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now isn't that comforting? You know we look at the world scene right now and we look over there in North Korea and all that's going on and they're threatening to blow us up and you got the Muslims over there, they're all upset, constantly terrorizing, wanting to take over the world. But it's comforting to know before that time of great tribulation comes, God's going to call us out of here and we can be comforted with that. And another thing we can comfort one another uh, with is this. That loved one that has passed away, you're going to see them again. Amen. Glory to God. We have an inheritance. And what we're going through right now is just a minor thing compared to what we got coming. Praise God. program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.